The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio, Radio. 630 Chad. Looking to pick it up off the boards was Leon Dreisaitl and did so. And he'll lead the rush for Edmonton right to left. At center ice and now over the Boston line. Centers, wrist shot, Strom scores! Top right corner, a beauty! And it's 3-2 Edmonton. Strom's fourth of the season. Turns out to be the game winner. The Oilers win 4-2 in Boston. They've beaten the Bruins in their last six meetings, and the Oilers needed that one. They go 2-3 on their five-game road trip. They're coming home to play Arizona on Tuesday and Toronto on Thursday. Thanks a lot for joining us. It is 548. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Gray Cup, two and a half minutes left in the first half. Calgary leads. Toronto 14-8. The Toronto touchdown, a 100-yard pass from Ricky Ray to James Posey, longest pass play in Grey Cup history. But Rob, we have the Oilers game to break down here. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. Man, we've talked a lot about Oilers players that you haven't consistently or have rarely noticed in games so far this season. I, I thought everybody made you know a play 2-3-4 where you noticed them tonight and uh, a game I thought the Doilers definitely deserved to win. Yeah, they were the better team tonight, and they were the better team because they played a, a full ice type of hockey game. They, they were good in their end. They were good in the neutral zone, and they are good in the offensive zone. Players that needed to be physical tonight were. You know, the, the Maroons, the Cassians, the Lucic. And I don't know how many games we've seen this year where we can say that all the big men were going at the same time. And, and then you had to have your playmakers be creative. And the Oilers were that, especially. I mean, the, the game-winning goal that Strom scored was a perfect, perfect example of how to have uh, an odd man break. You've got the guy with the puck looking to make a play. You've got Kajula driving through the defenseman to the net. When he does that, he confuses the defenseman. Strom comes up high to make an... A triangle in the offensive zone. He gets the puck and makes no mistake. So uh, there was new lines tonight, and that was one of the big things that we talked about before the game. And three different lines scored three different goals for the Oilers tonight. So it was a, it was an important road win for the Oilers coming home now to hopefully get something started here with a little bit of a streak. Besides Strom, Larson, Maroon, and Dreisaitl also scoring for Edmonton. Dreisaitl with an assist for a two-point night. The other Oiler with two points this evening, Connor McDavid, gets two helpers. One where he kept the puck alive just inside the blue line, led to Larson's goal, and then he assisted on Dreisaitl's empty netter. And uh, Rob, you and I often talk about the area around the blue lines, whether you're trying to get it out or trying to get it in, and the Oilers especially in the second period, much better job at keeping plays alive in the offensive zone. There were probably four or five instances where the Bruins had the puck within two feet of the blue line. And an oiler, you know, just whacking at it or just enough body contact to, to keep it alive. And it's been like I mentioned that second period. I mean, the shots were 17-5 in the second period. Bruins only had two scoring chances. Credit to them, they finished it. Mm-hmm. But you got the sense if the Oilers kept that up, it would be a good afternoon for them. Well, the Oilers were very good on puck pursuit in the offensive zone. Actually, they were all over the ice, but you really noticed in the offensive zone uh, too many times this season, the Oilers have been an offense that goes down on a, you know, on the rush. They get a shot on net, the rebound comes out, and out comes the other team. There's no 
uh, sustained pressure in the offensive zone. And tonight was as good as any night I've seen the others play. Milan Lucic talked about it after the game, too. He thought it was the best forechecking game that they'd had this year, too. And a lot of the times, the forechecking, you make a play and there's a rebound and you hunt down the rebound. And if the other team gets control of the puck, you don't just quit and start going back defensively. Attack that player. Don't give them time to make a play. Puck pressure from behind, lift sticks, get bodies in the way so the puck bounces off you and comes back. So the Oilers were very good at puck puck pursuit and puck retrieval in the offensive zone. Hence, they had much more time in the offensive zone than they had in the previous few games. Yeah, and that's our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Oilers went 4-2 in Boston. Still got to keep building here, 9-13-2 on the season. On Tuesday, they'll try to win back-to-back games for just the second time all season. All right, 780-496-0063. We'll bring Cam on to overtime open line. Hey, Cam. Boys, how's it going? Good. Right on. I like calling when we win, not because I'm a guy that uh, chases the band around, but just sometimes I'm negative when uh, when we lose here. So, But it's nice. Appreciate being able to call in. Um, so good effort. The one thing I wanted to talk about here, and this is just a hockey observation, I'm not ripping ripping the coach here, but I feel like he needs to get a better grasp on where certain guys are at during the game. I'm going to give you an example. And this, like, it's glaring because it could have cost us the game. Maroon, for whatever reason, probably from playing hard, and I'm going to give the guy credit. Going north, he was unbelievable today. I mean, he was chasing pucks. He was on pucks. Even on this shift that I'm going to talk about, he was he was on the puck. It was unreal. But he he got caught out there. It was with 10.06 or 10.42 left in the third period. He's on the ice. He starts off on left wing. He's out there. He refuses to come down, or he's too exhausted to come down and cover the weak side. He leaves the guy completely unattended three times in one shift. He gets caught in deep. Then he's got a chance to get off the ice after 40, 45 seconds, and he doesn't go off the ice. He chooses to engage offensively, won't get a puck in deep, gets hung up at the blue line, and stumbles off. Like, I mean, it was like watching an old senior hockey player that hasn't played for seven or eight months that comes back from university and decides he's going to play for the hometown senior team. And, and I don't want to criticize the guy. I know that sounds like a, you know an oxymoron, but how does McClellan not see that that guy is completely spent in the most important part of the game. Why is he on the ice there? Well, it sounded like you explained that he got tired because he didn't come off the ice. Why is he on the ice at that time? With 10 minutes to go in a hockey game? Well, he, like it wasn't working. Like it wasn't even close to him. Like, Rob, he wasn't even close. Yeah, but you're, you're, so you're telling me in the shift, you didn't like his shift, right? It's not even about like, and you're gonna you can trip me up here if you want. Let, no, I'm, I'm not trying to trip you. I'm trying to understand. Like you, you didn't like his shift, but how does how does Todd McClellan know that that's the shift he's gonna have? It's not that I didn't like his shift. Okay, fair enough. Okay, for, Cam, let me like just Cam, let me just ask you this to try to simplify. Are you saying he shouldn't have played after that? Because I think I, I think. Well, no, he's saying that he shouldn't have been out there at that time. Is no, no, I'm saying. asking Cam. Let okay. him answer. How do you? My, I started everything off by asking this question. How do you not know after this many months with a guy? His personality. How do you not know? Like there, He's, there was his his give a you know what meter was flickering right above zero. Like he didn't even try 
to get down and take the weak side guy in the slot. How do you not have a profile on a guy that that could happen at that stage of the game at the NFL, NHL level? Well, I, I mean, I don't see that in Maroon. I don't see that a guy is a guy that you can't play in the third period of a hockey game. I, I don't. I, Maroon plays in the third period of a hockey game for my team. I mean, I don't think you've got 12 guys that have been consistent over the course of this season that you can say have been good every night. And there's been nights that all players have been bad. That The record shows that. But I have I don't see what you see that in the last 10 minutes of a hockey game, Patrick Maroon shouldn't be on the ice. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, you think, he, I think he had a bad shift, Cam. I think. So, yeah. but, but there's a difference between puck jumping over your stick or a bad decision. I mean, if you guys go back, if you get an opportunity to watch that 10, 10, 40, 10, Well, 40, yeah, but we're, we're agreeing with you that, and I don't remember the shift, but if you say you had a bad shift, I'm fine with that. I'll agree with you without even seeing it. But I don't see anything in the past that says that Patrick Maroon can't play in the third period of a hockey game. Yeah, that was a rough one, boys. I, 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 I didn't see any care. I, I saw no care there at all. And, and I, like, that's the thing that's disturbing to me is we put this time and energy and effort into this thing as fans. Which is, we, we, are, we are owed nothing. I get that. I understand that. I buy my stuff the merchandise a year and go to a few games. But I don't understand how that cannot be knocked out of a guy at this stage of his career and also his tenure with this team. That it could even possibly you know, happen that you would leave a guy unattended like that two or three times in one shift. I just I don't get it. So that's my negative. Hey, I don't do it very often, boys. That's my negative, and I, and I just wanted to get it out there. So Okay, thanks, Cam. Appreciate it. Oilers do win 4-2 in Boston. Maroon had one of their goals today. Don't quite get to the Japanese Village goal light. Needed another one there at the end. We do turn it on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. All right. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Here's Darren. Hey boys, how you doing? Good. Hey, uh, yeah, it was a, that was a good effort for sure. They're playing a banged up Bruins team, so I mean, I give them credit there. And uh, my pro line's doing like I'm, I'm doing shitty. Oh, I've lost careful, today. buddy. All right. So anyway, I'm gonna get to a few points here, boys. Delusional Darren will go here. I just gotta make a few points here, Reed and Brown and. Uh, I'll let you go from there. I just want to go back. This is not today's game was really good, okay? But I just want to just generalize is just what I think of what's going on with this whole organization from coaching. Starts with practices, and I, I, they got to be competing, and they need to be playing hard and competing. It starts at the practices, then it comes to the character. Now these players, there's usually a handful of them. The character of a player, right? Now if they're having a bad day, you know what? They're, a bad day, but not giving an honest effort. Come on, man. If you can't give an honest effort, listen. You, you, sit. Then it comes down to, you know what, motivation. These guys here, these they're playing. They, every day, these guys got the character. These guys, there's, there's six guys on that team that are making six million plus or four guys or whatever. They can bring it on, bring it on for the other players. Then when it comes down to, I told you, I said this to you, Reed, before, and I'll say it again. Accountability. And I'm going to pick on Drysdale right now. Drysdale right now. I don't say the names right. The reason why I'm just, just don't want to get mad. Not about today, but I'll give you an example. He's not coming back. He gives up on a three-on-one. Maybe could have made it a three-on-two. Maybe they scored. He's a little lazy. Could have been maroon. Whoever, right? When he gets to that bench, there's got to be accountability. That's when that coach should go to him, pat, grab him on the shoulder, and say, "Hey, buddy, 
You're a little fool there. What's going on? What's you, you, you tired? Right? Is is something wrong? You know, if he's not wrong, okay, get on the next ship. Make sure he's accountability, defense. When you're going into corners, you're not coming over the carton eggs. You got to be on your toes. You skate through these players. And I'm seeing about three or four defensemen. I know I'm getting negative, but they need to be accountability. Held held that accountability. Now, this is my last point, and this is the main point right now. What they got, they're, they're reading, reading into the coaching right now. What they're seeing from McClellan, they're seeing weakness. McClellan is showing weakness. So these players, this is, they're reacting. They're, it, it's hard to, it's hard to show, give all the character and everything else if you've got a weak coach. And right now, I'll tell you right now, if you want to get a coach out there, you can pay him about 20 million and I'm going to be delusional there and here. Go get Greg Popovich. <laughs> I'm joking around again. But anyway, boys, you guys have a good afternoon. Good, good job by the Oilers, but they need some coaching. Uh, someone needs to get these guys going. Thanks, boys. Okay, I just disagree with just about everything he said. That's all I have on that. We're back after the news. Oilers win 4-2 in Boston. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Camilleri turns, works his way around Pasternak, finds an opening for Adam Larson, and shot deflected home. Two to one, Oilers. Milan Lucic might have gotten a piece. Goal was originally credited to Lucic, goes to Larson, his third of the season. That gave the Oilers a 2-1 lead in the second period. They go on to beat Boston 4-2. Camilleri and McDavid getting the assists on the play. Camilleri is our fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. The uh, lines obviously were shaken up today and uh, pretty good, pretty good fortune. I actually thought the strongest line Rob was was probably Nugent Hopkins, Slepishlev, uh, and Maroon. Um, yeah, they played well. They they had a number of good chances. Paddy Maroon had a very good game, uh, especially in the offensive zone. He he made a number of very good plays from down below the goal line, uh, setting up chances. And then obviously he scores a, a big goal for them on a nice play by Cassian. But yeah, the they they tried something different by splitting the three centermen up and making three even more even lines. And tonight they got a big win because of it. On the advantage, trailer rentals, out-of-town scoreboard, halftime of the Grey Cup, snowy in Ottawa, Calgary up 17-8 on Toronto. Two NHL games earlier, the Rangers beat Vancouver 4-3 in a shootout, also in a shootout, Carolina over Nashville 4-3. And right here on 630, Chad, we had the Oilers knocking off Boston 4 Two Oilers out shooting the Bruins 36-25, including 17-5 in the second period maybe the best period of the season for the Oilers. It's on a very short list, yeah, uh, yeah. nonetheless. But but a very good period and much needed on the road here to finish this trip. All right, we got Robert on the open line. Hey, Robert. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. How you guys doing? Good. I have a couple thoughts on the game tonight. Obviously, obviously my first one would be on Talbot. I thought I thought he looked solid despite, despite missing last game with the flu. And uh, my other thought tonight would be on, be on the playoff Larson. But I thought I thought Larson had had, a, had one of his best games of the season. Yeah, he I thought he had a couple. I mean, last year Rob and I referred to him as a smusher, like he just kind of negates guys along the boards. He was pretty good, and yeah, Talbot made the saves. He had to. Boston obviously pushed in the final seven minutes. Couple good saves. Couple of times Boston didn't hit the net, so full marks for him for getting the win for sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. And my, my other thought tonight would be on the play of, uh, of Leon Dreisaitl. I thought uh, 
I thought uh, he had a good game. I thought he, he made he made a, a several good plays in the offensive zone, especially on the go-ahead goal there, where he brings it up the ice and then drops it to Strom, and then Strom with the Strom with an absolute beauty of a shot to the to the top corner there. Yeah, I mean the thing that Drysaddle does is he, he thinks the game a little faster than most. And on that play there, he was like the point guard in a basketball game who's waiting for everyone to get into the right position. And Leon just slows the game down on the outside, waiting for Kajula to go through and take the defenseman to the net, waiting for Strom to come up high to give him an option. And he just kept himself far enough away from his defender to make that pass. And a smart play. And uh, they need Drysaddle going. And I think Drysaddle's been fairly consistent. I don't know if he's been as explosive as last year, but fairly consistent throughout the season. And, and when he's on, when he's making plays, then they are an effective hockey club. So it's, I thought Drysaddle had a strong game. 4 2, the Oilers take it. 7 8 0 4 9 6 0 0 6 3. We have Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, guys. How's it going tonight? Pretty good. Good. Uh, I didn't have much to say until the first two callers rang through. Um, I thought, you know, Patrick Moon had a great game. Um, you know, one shift. I think I think anybody that's played sports, you can kind of get watching the net a little bit too much. And, you know, the opposition's net, and you just want to put a puck in so you cheat a little bit. And I think professionals are reminded on the bench where this kind of ties into the second, second caller's comment about, you know, McClellan not doing his job properly or whatever his comment really was. Um, you can guarantee McClellan is leaning over to Maroon, saying, "Hey, buddy, you know you need to get off ice a little bit earlier. You're you're you're, you're gassed." And, and and that's just that's what he does. That's what he's been doing. And he's getting criticized for you know saying, people saying the thing he's doing things or the lack of lack of action uh, with that. Um, when really they have no idea what's going or going on on the bench, what's being said on the bench. Only professional professional athletes and the Oilers team know really what's being said on that bench. Well, I mean, good points by you. Very, very good points. I, the one thing that I, I saw when Todd McClellan took over was the accountability that he held on the players. I mean, I, Taylor Hall got benched here. Benoit Pouli, a seasoned veteran, was put in the press box. Uh, Connor McDavid was sat down earlier this year for, for a little bit. So he holds the players accountable, and I guarantee you, with all the video they have, that every time there's a, a something that needs to be corrected, it either happens right away on the bench, it'll happen in a video room between periods, or it'll happen the following morning before practice. This is a team that is very well prepared. Now, whether what they do with the preparation, I guess, is on the players. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. No one knows anything about what happens behind closed doors, what happens on the bench, other than the players and the coaches themselves. Well, I can tell you the practices are pretty detailed. I see all the home practices. They're, they're pretty detailed. They work pretty hard in the practices. Phil, you're going to finish the play. You can get an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. Let's play the clue here, Patrick. Face off at center. Krejci able to win the draw. And now you've got Charlie McAvoy, and he is punished against the boards. Big hit by Lucic, and that shook up McAvoy. Huge hit. All right, Phil, Milan Lucic going after McAvoy there. He's credited with six hits today. He started his NHL career in Boston. The Oilers are his third NHL team. Who did he play for for a year in between? Uh, Los Angeles. Absolutely, buddy. Hang on the line, okay? Yep. Phil gets finished the play. We're going to get more calls, but we want to go back to Boston. Oilers winning at 4-2. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. The guys just kind of stuck with it in a tough building against a tough team. Well, we finished the trip off the way uh, the way we wanted to. As far as tonight goes, it was uh, uh, not enough points in the bank, but tonight was a, a well-played team game by 
Um, everybody that dressed, starting with the goaltender out, I thought we managed the puck much better. Um, got pucks behind them and had more of a four-check game than a, than a pretty game, and it, it helped us. Um, face-offs got better as the night went on, so we had the puck a little bit more. And, uh, so it showed a little bit of poise down the stretch when uh, they had their push. Looked like from the start that you were forechecking hard, not just one guy, but then the next guy would come in, and it was. Well, we've been talking about it a little bit, and we worked a lot on it in practice yesterday. And having all the pieces involved in a forecheck, and teams are so well rehearsed now at breaking out that if you don't have uh, your fourth and fifth players involved, uh, you basically have no chance. And I thought today we uh, we used what we uh, worked on in practice yesterday, and it helped us. So this is. We're going to keep asking you, you know, can you just show the tape of this game over and over and over again to see to the players again? Well, you keep asking, and I'll keep giving you the same answer. Um, you know, we've got one in the bank, and we got to go home and put two together. And, um, we've got to break the spell. Um, I'm not even going to talk about it to the guys. I'm just going to give them a game plan and tell them to go play. And, and uh, that's how we have to approach it. So, um, you know, you can ask that question. I'm going to end up giving you the same answer. And Leon looks... He said he was moving his feet much better. Well, he skated tonight. We had a, a chat before practice yesterday that I told you about. And, um, Leon skates. A lot of times he just skates for Leon. Tonight he skated for his teammates and created open ice and uh, did some things that were uh, uh, beneficial to his line mates um, using his size and creating space. So uh, that was nice to see, and we need him to continue. What did you think of your captain? I don't know if it's standing up to their captain, but certainly getting involved with the guy who's well, the biggest guy in the league. That's uh, you know that's that's Connor, and I don't even think twice about it. And I was actually surprised you asked me the question because he competes every night against uh, size, tenacity, checkers, skaters, uh, physical players, and obviously uh, Z is one of the best uh, that's played the game in a, in a shutdown role. And, uh, Connor did a, a very good job against them tonight. So he plays more physical over shut. Most of the defensemen that play against. Well, he's uh, not because he's six foot nine, but he's. Well, he's he's in the way because there's so much of them, um, you know. And then he is uh, a specimen when it comes to physicality. He's strong. He can check you from three feet away and still leverage you. Um, you know, so it's it's what. He's made a living doing. Um, they've won a lot of games because of him playing that way, and um, he continues to do it at a, you know, a little later on in his career. It looks like he's got a lot of years left in him. Do you think Maroon played much better tonight too? I thought the team the team played better. Um, our bigger bodies uh, played better. They skated better. They were more involved in the game. They kept offense alive in the uh, in the offensive zone. Um, so just the ability to move. Our mass, if you will, uh, was much better tonight than it was in Buffalo. Good. All right, that's head coach Todd McClellan. Oilers knocking off Boston 4-2. They go 2-3 and three on their five-game road trip. They're 9-13-2 on the season. 780-496-0063. Nick is calling in. Hello, Nick. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Oh, good. Thanks for having me on the call. I really hope those first two callers are still listening in, considering every caller since, the uh, guys asking Todd questions, Todd and you guys, all disagree with everything they had to say. <laughs> well, that's life. Know, like, that's okay. <laughs> I don't know what game they were watching. Maroon had a great game, had a goal, and they still come on and say, say the stuff they did. Whatever. Listen, I, I love the Lions. Uh, we, for the, that first period, we finally actually played true four-line hockey. Uh, do you guys see this going into the uh, future being something that we can consistently do? Because, honestly, if we came out 
and played every period like we did that first period, we're, we have we have no issues the rest of the season, period. So do you guys see this being long, uh, something that we can do for the long term? If they continue to have success, yes. Uh, I, I think that earlier in the year, they were missing a Slepeshev and they were missing Kajula, two guys that were out of their lineup. With those two guys out, then they had no chance of having three lines like this. Simply, they didn't have enough depth players that could play with them. They went When those players came back, well, now all of a sudden a Slepeshev, who they wanted to be in the top nine, is there. Kajula, who I think has had, you know, despite the injuries, has shown some flashes here that he's a top six, top nine player too. So now they have him to put in. And you also have Puliyarvi, who I, I imagine will be in the lineup fairly soon as well. And he's a guy that's a uh, you would expect to be a very good offensive player in a top six role at some point. So uh, if they continue to roll them like this and they continue to have sex, success, then yeah, absolutely, they're going to keep doing it. I don't think Todd's tied down to anything other than what he feels gives his team the best chance to win. And tonight, you're right. They, they were able to roll four lines and feel confident when each of those lines went out there, they're going to have a positive influence on the game. Yeah, and he referenced Dreisaitl skating and creating space. And and to me, that I mean, that was the mind-boggling thing about the Buffalo game. It was like somebody go after the puck and, and try to take it away. But you know, McClellan has said sometimes they've played two east-west. And I was impressed, Rob, when there wasn't a play, they did not hesitate. They shot it in. And there was a play in the second period. Nugent Hopkins, who's a, a fast player mm-hmm. and a skilled player, was was skating through the neutral zone and there were he kind of got in a little box around four Bruins four Bruins around him and instead of trying to stick handle or pass through sticks and feet he shot it in didn't quite win the race to the puck but the Bruin defenseman was pressured and instead of handling the puck the Boston guy just tapped it up the boards and Maroon's there to intercept it and that was when they started that forecheck when Nugent Hopkins almost scored I think off that pass for Maroon so you know a simple play by a quote-unquote skilled player but they made a lot of better decisions, I thought, through the neutral zone tonight. Well, anybody that plays Edmonton knows they want to they want to be skilled players coming to the neutral zone, make plays in the neutral zone. So what do you do to defend that is you try to stand them up at the blue line. You try to force the, the puck carrier to go left or right because when he goes left or right, that forces someone to go offside right. or that forces someone to be in the wrong position. So teams are doing that against the Oilers, and then the Oilers are getting caught with poke checks, with back pressure, and they're turning the puck over at the offensive zone. Tonight, they're much better uh, at uh, game management by getting pucks in deep. When when Boston took something away, instead of trying to stick the you know the, the, the circle into the square and see, oh, why won't it work? Why won't it work? I'm going to keep trying it. Tonight, okay, they took that away. Let's put the puck in behind them. Because the way you beat guys lining up on the blue line is you put the puck in behind them and chase them down because they have no one back there to go retrieve the puck. The others were very good at that tonight, and they were very good at getting in on the forecheck. If everybody on the ice knows that when you get to the, you know, five feet away from the blue line and you do not have an odd man rush, you're dumping the puck in, those players don't have to stop. They get an extra step to get in on the forecheck. The Oilers were very good at that tonight. Oilers win at 4-2. Chad, Houston, and Colin next in the batting order on the phones. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. 4-2, the Oilers beat the Bruins. Ryan Strome, the game winner early in the third to break a 2-2 tie. Leon Dreisaitl added an empty netter. Larson and Maroon scored earlier in the game for Edmonton, Pasternak and Krejci. 
had the goals for Boston. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. We have Chad on the line. Chad, thanks for calling. Hey, boys. How you doing tonight? Good. Good. Hey, first time caller, long time listeners on the way back to Athabasca tonight. Glad I got through. Uh, just a couple Connor McDavid related observations and, and questions for you. I'm always intrigued by leadership styles, and I'm just wondering is it safe to say that Connor is a lead by example kind of captain, or or can we? I, I just my question is I'm wondering if in the dressing room if he's that guy who's staring other guys down across the room when they're going through a tough time like this. Do you think? Do you think he does that at all, or do you think he's just kind of that guy who leans on being able to go out there and get it done, which we know was hard in the team game? Any, you know, get you guys are in the inside there a little bit more. Any, anything to add to that? I mean, I'm just saying because I'm not obviously in the dressing room when these these moments are going on. I, from what I see, he looks like a guy that's going to lead by example. I don't think he's a guy that talks a lot. I think that most teams nowadays they have a captain, but they also have a leadership group. And I think there's other players that are in the leadership group for the Oilers, like a Maroon, like a Lucic. Those are the type of players that will call you out, that will stare you down, that will back up whatever and whenever Connor does talk. Yeah, you know, and Lucic's a formidable guy, and I, I, I would think it would be pretty crazy. If I was a young fellow like Pooley Arvey or someone like that sitting across from him and he gave me the evil eye, I mean, I'd be I'd be going out there and doing everything I could. So um, I just didn't strike me that Connor was like that. A little danger in being a leader by example is that sometimes uh, it just if it doesn't happen, then that's your that's what you got, right? So I'm um, not complaining. I love Connor's death. My second question for you: uh, the other night in Buffalo, Connor was getting waved out of a ton of faceoffs, and maybe you've talked about this previously on the show in the last couple of days. But uh, any specifics on what he was doing wrong there, and and what uh, and the reason for it? I don't remember those. I know earlier in the year he was getting waved off, uh, waved out a lot too. I, I think it's just his feet placement that he was probably creeping over the line because they want guys oh. to stay in those little L-shaped lines now. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thanks for answering my call, guys, and uh, you have a good night. Okay. See you, chat. We also have Houston on the line. Hello, Houston. Hey, guys. Uh, I didn't know uh, Brewhouse actually sponsored this. I actually worked for the Brewhouse. It's kind of funny. Uh my comment that I was going to have for you guys uh, has to do with change. Um, everyone's talking about the game today, and some callers early on obviously didn't seem to appreciate the game, and a few others have gotten in. kind of have some balance. But I want to talk about something different. And I know a big hindrance so far with this team that we're rostering is speed. Um, I could see us getting a couple of players. Now, one's a more obvious choice, and one's a little bit more out of left field and probably wouldn't cost as much. Uh, I'd actually called you guys uh, during last year's trade deadline when we got uh, DeHarnay and I told you about how his giveaways and takeaways and whatnot, and this is kind of along those lines as well. If we either got a Dylan Larkin, which I know would be expensive as he's coming off his rookie contract, or if a bit lower down on the cost to acquire would be uh, Hagelin from Pittsburgh, He's kind of off to the slower start the season. But, yeah, just uh, your thoughts on those two guys. Well, I, I think Larkin would be tough because he would be he's like, he's Detroit's he's best Detroit. player. Yeah. yeah, so he's their best player. So they're not giving up their best player unless you're giving up something really good back. And uh, with the NHL going more to speed, the best teams are all fast, the Oilers would have to give up a good player with speed. And I don't know if the Oilers have a whole lot that they want to give up or can give up to get a Larkin. Uh, as for, as for I don't, you can name a bunch of different players around the league, and you say Haglin. I think that the key words that you had in there were speed. I think the Oilers would love to add some more speed to their lineup, some depth players with 
that can that can create off the rush, that can create off a forecheck, all because they got good speed. So I am sure that Peter Shrelly, who they keep talking in the papers and stuff, have been at this game, this game, that game, is looking for players with some speed out there. All right. Here's the deal. we got to wind her down. We got, Colin, we're going to talk to you off air so we can address your question. The Oilers get four goals today. That means a $100 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. Follow the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Oilers take it 4-2 in Boston. Next broadcast, 5.30 face-off show on Tuesday. Game at 7, Oilers home to the Arizona Coyotes. Thanks to Patrick Bauer, our studio producer. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre.